0: Hello, and welcome to The High Press, a podcast about football. Hello, and welcome back to The High Press. We are delighted to be back. At the High Press, thank you so much for your support last week for the Kyle Edwards episode. That was a load of fun to film and we really appreciate all your comments and uh thoughts back about that. We uh yeah, we, we love you guys. Thanks so much for, for all of that. Um this week we've got our first outside the box uh segment whereby me and Rob are gonna talk about a topic in a bit of depth. Um really looking forward to that this week. Rob, tell us tell us a bit more about that.
1: Got on tag, by the way. Uh, yes, it's me again. Um, so this Outside the Box, um, this is going to be us rambling on a topic, and I thought this week's topic uh, should be about things we miss from the game gone by, um, from, it could be any time in the history of, of, the, of the football, um, basically anything we miss or you know we want to see back in the game just yeah we just had a bit of a thing we gonna have a ramble we've had a bit of a research uh and we're just gonna just put it out there you might disagree you might agree it's just our opinion so um see what you think anyway yeah yeah, very much looking forward to it. That's
0: going to be uh, some controversial discussion points, I assume, they're going to be coming up. But, yeah, that's something to, to look forward to. Uh, as well as that, we've got um, some news that we want to talk about at the end of the episode, just news to do mm. with football, so what's been happening in the last yeah. week or two, and we're going to have a, a bit of a discussion about that. Uh, but first of all, let's let's get right into it. Let's get straight into the box. Uh, not in the box, because it's outside the box. Let's get on the D of the penalty area, and let's, let, let's talk...
1: Let's talk about outside the uh, box. Rob, kick us off. It's One thing that I miss from the game gone by. Um, big characters. Uh, and I've also got a slash Hardman. Um, right. So whether you want to put big characters in as hardmen, or, you know, hardmen are always a big character. Um, that's up to you. But I want to... Well, I've just said firstly, I missed them, but then I want to contradict myself in my first point and say they do still exist in the modern game, which they do. You know, it's not a blanket statement saying there's no personality in the game now, but I think they're more of a rarity. I think you see you see mm. less, um, less bigger personalities than hard men. So if I say big personality to you, um, You know, you might think of Paul Gascoigne, Oliver Kahn, Vinnie Jones, uh, Stuart Pearce, Roy Keane, Paolo Di Canio, Eric Cantona, Diego Maradona. So what would you say they're all linked by?
0: I I think some of the characters that you just mentioned are all people that have had some form of big... Incidents, maybe if you're on a court mm. in football. So obviously, you think of Roy Keane, and you think of the tunnel incident with Vieira. Cantona obviously kicked someone in the stand. I, mm. I can see what, yeah, I see what you're saying. That I think when you mention those names, you think about a particular big incident that is that is linked to them. Yeah,
1: but none of them have played, or none of those incidents were in the last ten years, were they? So, for mm. example, there were. All these big characters are in the game gone by. And that's the, that's the, that's me point. You see, got it already.
0: Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I think what we should absolutely point out as well is we're not fans of violence on this podcast. No, 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 no. no. We don't no. promote violence at all. Um, <laughs> but, but it certainly did provide a unique, um, sort of look on football when people were doing that type of thing that that, that type mm. of thing you know like a player these days wouldn't go into a crowd and and physically hurt no, a fan no, really. exactly um, that, well Eric Guy I mean. aside he, he attempted to yeah. and then failed um, yeah, yeah. but yeah that, that doesn't happen these days does it
1: yeah that, that's what I mean I'm not saying I want to see people kicked in the stand anymore or people headbutted <laughs> or or anything like that but you have to say that behavior has gone out of the game as well, yeah. Um, so it's almost like a double edged sword with that.
0: And I think um, one thing that we discussed off air as well, Rob, was that, uh, and I think you know, VAR has got something to do with this, and I know we're talking about that a bit later as well. But you, you do have that, that feeling that football is becoming less and less of a contact sport, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in the way, in which, yeah, very much so. I mean, we saw last weekend um, where Son was so-called fouled in the game against um, Manchester United. And a lot of controversy going on about whether that's a foul or not, and and everyone seems to have a different opinion on it. But I think the truth of the matter is 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, that wasn't... I don't think that was given as a foul. And, And it certainly wouldn't have been given as a foul before because obviously that was picked up by VAR, which mm. something obviously didn't exist until you know a couple of seasons ago, so um you know VIR was certainly brought into it brings brings the minor incidents in football into spotlight yeah which obviously yeah. therefore is when it gets punished isn't it so
1: yeah i mean i i watched a few clips of um graham sunas playing um <laughs> the other day and how he was going through people and i mean nowadays there would be red cards i think even then i think they just played on. Back when yeah. when he was active, mm. um, but off those names I mentioned before, and like I said, they do still exist in the game, such as Pepe, Ibrahimovic, Joey Barton, Gattuso. Um, you know
0: all the people you've mentioned there, though they're all more or less touching forty, aren't they? So you could almost say that they are the last,
1: the last generation of
0: players that
1: I was going to say that are it's mostly gone. Yeah. Um. So, so that yeah. So you sort of turn and you say, well, why don't we see them in the game nowadays? Then, you know, what what's gone on? I think I I believe it's considered it's it's problematic behaviour in the modern game, and Hmm. I think then more widely in UK society as well. Um, Okay, it's it's a bit of a bigger a bigger um, point that I was trying to allude to there. Yeah. So what what I mean by in UK society players nowadays are more sponsored than ever before. Um, they do more charity work than before. I mean, we've got Rashford at the moment with the school meals. You see all the time players are doing hospital visits. Um, I mean, especially young lads now are encouraged to be role models for people of all ages in society now, um, I don't think there's, there's there's not chance to to be a hard man or to, to have this sort of, you know, the, a bigger personality to, to be more outspoken. Um, mm. I think it's coached out the game as well. And then the players that do still have this behaviour, I think, yeah, they're deemed as problematic and have this problematic behaviour. Um, and then you see when players get labelled with that, they get less sponsors, um they lose money and again that's all a that's all trying to discourage this kind of behavior um and again i'm not saying we should have more people who are nuts but i think that's a reason why we don't see it as much they don't have the chance to be person to don't have a chance to be a big personality anymore or to be a hard man i think mm. um I, I think that uh and,
0: and moving maybe looking at Characters in the modern game that have sort of replicate or not replicate, but come clo- as close as possible to those characters that you mentioned previously. And I think one of the reasons why he's spoken about so much at the moment is because of his demeanour, and that would be Haaland. He has this. He's, he's not
1: so much of a. I'm. As I'm, I'm going to get on to Haaland.
0: Yeah, go on then. I'll, I won't take your spotlight. I'll, I'll respond to it afterwards. Well, but Harland well, we'll, is one that yeah, I would I was going to say,
1: we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Yeah, we'll come to that when I um, when I mention him. Um, but yeah, like I said, obviously we're not advocating violence in the game, but it is a passionate sport. It's highly competitive. Um, you know, it would be a shame if it would turn into a non-contact sport because that's, I mean, there is contact in, in the game of football as well. Um, so you, you can see how tempers flare up in the games as well. So mm. there, there is there is a slight bit of chance for people to, to, to show these personalities, I guess. Um, so I also mentioned it's problematic behavior, not just in society, but also in the modern game. Um, and you can't talk about the modern game without mentioning three letters, V-A-R. <laughs> like, like we said, um, <laughs> we've seen how VAR scours over every minute of the game currently um and there's now the highest chance there's ever been that a player's gonna get um disciplined uh will be will get picked up for something very minor i mean again like we said about the son and uh mctominay incident that went and yeah they went and scored a goal from i mean you know back even say so five years ago would that have been picked up on a slight a slight knock from a wayward hand behind him um I think obviously some didn't help by um, going down like he did, but yeah, I don't know. In the past few years, would that get picked up on?
0: I think what um, I will say is about is about VAR, and and this is you know potentially a you know a separate episode.
1: Hmm.
0: I I think that football that what the reason why we love football so much is those moments, isn't it? So yeah. those moments whereby your team scores a last-minute equaliser or a last-minute winner or or something that happens in the game which makes you, when you think back of the game, or if you think about games that you've watched previously, you always remember a moment. And I think particularly with the game at the moment, and it's been spoken about a lot in in national press, um, and and I think Neville and Carragher are big advocates of it on on Sky, um, is that, obviously, you have that moment whereby there's a big moment in the game and it's gone in your favour. And you're having to half like the players are half celebrating Mm. almost because they're waiting to see if their ear was partially offside Mm. whether they it might have clipped their hand a minute before it went into the net just just small things like that that are obviously putting players off celebrating and then obviously watching from home as we are at the moment you're watching it on the telly and you're like what's going on like Mm. you can't let your true emotion of that situation out yeah because it's obviously at risk of being said that it's not going to stand. So, yeah, yeah, um, that that that's my personal issue with VAR. And, and and again, like we can go into a whole episode about this maybe on another occasion. But you get these offsides. Like, did did, did anyone? Everyone was calling for VAR before it came in. I think it's important to say that. But what yeah, I will yeah. say is that I don't think anyone was unhappy or angry at conceding a goal, whereby. Uh, the player was offside by the, and I mean the most marginal of circumstances, but yeah, yeah. like all these lines is just, it's just so intense. Um, mm. And and a re- and again, we'll get into this later on maybe, but the, and the reason it's like that, I think, and the reason why football has gone this way. Um, and I'll mention it later in my part as well, is football, whether we like it or not, is a business. Yeah. It's a, it's a business. It's, it's, a sport, but predominantly is a business. Yeah. So, and I, and I think particularly in the Premier League and the higher divisions, and and obviously the, the the leagues around the world, where there's so much money at stake, I think VAR has been brought into. You know, say for example, like I'm a West Brom fan, and say we need to win our last game of the season to to stay up, and we um we concede a goal, and someone has got a toe that's in an offside position. Now, if we looked at that without VAR, we'd be going, oh, that's offside, blah, 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 that shouldn't stand, that goal's relegated us, blah, blah, blah. But with VAR, in fact, you look at it and you go, actually, it is offside. So it's been bought in because, of, I think, because of the financial implications that it can have on clubs if it wasn't there, if that makes sense.
1: But then, then you say that, and I know, obviously, we... As uh, Villa, sorry, not we. Uh, Villa benefited it from last year when we had that goal, um, the phantom goal that went over the line that, that didn't mm. count towards the end of last season. And I know there was um, a bit of a court case mentioned by Bournemouth because they were, they were trying to make the argument if they hadn't... If we'd have lost that game, it would have worked out eventually in the end that Bournemouth would have stayed up and now they've lost so many millions
0: mm. through
1: relegation when really Villa should have been relegated
0: yeah um, it, that that was a strange one because it wasn't necessarily VAR at fault because obviously it was goal line technology mm. but at the same time there's the, there's this very sort of tunnel vision thinking of VAR where it actually that is a circumstance whereby it would have been appropriate to use but yeah. The people at VAR at Stockley Park have obviously gone, well, that's not something that we can deal with. However, they've got so many cameras in and around the stadium, that they would be able to clearly identify if the ball crossed the line or not. And ultimately, yeah. VAR is there to eradicate you know, errors that are, are there in the game, whether it be by referee or whatever. That was a basic error, which VAR could yeah. and should have picked up on, in my opinion. Um, yeah yeah I, I, that's the frustrating i think because I, I think that var is so focused on the minute details mm-hmm. but it can afford to miss something so big and uh, yeah, it, yeah it's it's very contentious yeah. and like i say it's it's a, something that we can talk about in great depth at mm. maybe another time but um yeah it's, and i it's, think
1: um uh, and, and i i think that one of the frustrating parts of it is it does go into very intense detail, but then it's inconsistent with that as well because yeah. sometimes a player's shirt will be offside, like the sleeve, and then other times it won't be. And we've seen—I mm. think was it Bamford before—he was he had his arm out pointing to where he wanted the ball to be played, and his arm basically got called offside through yeah. the, um, through the VAR. Then can you can you and score I'll,
0: with your arm? Because you, I, I always I thought then it, isn't isn't it was. It? Yeah, if you like, it was an offside. Uh, sorry, essentially, whereby you can't be penalised for offside, at a part of the body in which you cannot score from. I thought that yeah, was the rule, exactly. and it may have changed, but that's that's very strange. I mean, the most yeah. peculiar one for me, and the most strange one was um, the one that, again that has been highlighted in the press last week, the the West Brom game mm. against Southampton and Diagne. A strange incident. Obviously, we haven't seen that. In, in VAR history in the Premier League so far, but for those that haven't seen it, essentially um, Albion have a player in an offside position who is sort of furthest away from goal, if you like, in Kyle Bartley. Um, Dianja is ahead of him, um, so he's not in an offside position. And then the Southampton defender is then ahead of, um, sort of if we're talking in a line here, the Southampton defender is in front of both of them. Um in terms of the line, but when you look along the line, the Southampton defender is actually playing Bartley offside, but he's playing De Anya onside, but because the camera angle, this is so silly, For the amount of cameras you have in the stadium, it's ludicrous, but the camera can't visibly tell that De Anya is onside because Kyle Bartley is blocking the view of the camera. So they've drew these lines out, and basically, the the, the how they've reached that decision is basically by saying, we can't tell from the camera angle, that it's offside. Although I think it's it's fairly probable to say that he 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 wasn't offside, Dianya. Um, so basically, they've had to refer to the, the on-field decision whereby it's been given as offside because that VAR couldn't accurately tell what was going on. If I was in that position, in a VAR position, and again, the legalities of it, I don't know, surely you would call the ref over to have a look at the monitor at that point and go,
1: mm.
0: we... It, it's difficult to make out because of the camera position. However, maybe use a bit of common sense to determine whether... Give your best guess, essentially, as to whether you think he's onside or offside. And I've got absolutely no doubt about it that. Yes, the, the camera angle is, isn't is the greatest, However, I think you can clearly tell that Dianya is onside. Um, and, and, yeah, it's it's just in, incredibly frustrating. But we'll move on from VAR, because we'll be here for, yeah. for a very long time.
1: Well, um, yeah, we will move on just in, in one second. <laughs> just going back to that uh that incident when we had uh, again, we uh Villa had the ball go over the line and we, we ended up not conceding. Uh because the the uh hawkeye didn't um didn't indicate it was a goal, and I think the goal mouth camera was being obscured by one of our players. And because they couldn't see through our player to see if the goal had been scored or not they just didn't give it Um, yeah it's 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 and it's it's this thing (laughs) like how you know you want to trust in technology but how much trust do you give in the technology because obviously we have seen a lot of times the technology will fail and if you've given so much trust into that when it fails you've got no backup because if the technology doesn't work and the cameras are blocked then you're screwed well, you know, I, th- I think in, no its defense,
0: in its defence, in its defence, I don't think goal line technology is really being an issue. That that incident aside, whereby the checks weren't done. Oh yeah, that the was one in a
1: million. That was one. That in a was million. In a chance, million. That was, so I
0: don't yeah. think we've ever really had an issue with goal line technology. I think no, that's, no. that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that has been a success. Um, and yeah. that was a, that was yeah. a nice addition to the game. But VAR, yeah, it, in my opinion, it's not gone to plan, and, and it it needs changing or it needs removing. Just to the, the most important thing in football is emotion and the feeling of scoring a goal. And to jeopardise mm. that with this nonsense that's going on at the minute, I don't think it's fair on anyone mm. involved in the sport. So I think that needs to be majorly reviewed.
1: Uh, a point was made as well. And they were saying, can you imagine if Villar was in the game when Aguero scored that 93rd minute oh. winner for City when they won the league? <laughs> Could you imagine? It'd that? be horrible. It'd be absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, yes, obviously we are, um, we are on the Tangent Express. Um, so we'll, we'll carry on with, with my point a little bit here. Um, yeah, so just saying, so, so going back to the, the, the discussion about uh, big characters, uh, unless you want to be continually sent off and dropped out of the team, um, you know, or give your opinions at the end of the match in controversial statements over social media, for example, the interviewers um, and the press you know you, you get fined and dropped from the team or sent off um, so I think again there's no chance to be a big personality because it's it's been punished out the game so we'll go to a bit of a case example here speaking of continually getting sent off in the modern game bit of a um, bit of a segue I think we'll look at the Colombian striker uh, for Rangers Alfredo Morelos Hmm. Um, yeah. So he is he is um, a fiery South American player. Uh, he, he does have a temper when you watch him play and everything. However, if I read you some stats, um, see what you think of these, right? So in his four seasons at Rangers, he's received six red cards and 34 yellow cards in four seasons. Okay. Okay. But in so, his so those four stats seasons, would indicate that he gets a card... A game, essentially, in the yeah.
0: that, in the season. So for one season, he's had a card a game. That is a, roughly an average of, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously that, that's, that spread over the four seasons he's yeah. been there. But in the four seasons before he signed for Rangers, he was playing in, in Helsinki and in Colombia. So in the same amount of time, he only received eight yellow cards and zero red cards.
0: And how long was he there so- for?
1: So that was four seasons. So four seasons at Rangers, and then it'd be two for Helsinki, two in Colombia, so like over the four before Rangers, you see. Eight yellow cards and zero red cards, and then you come to Scotland and you get six red cards and 34 yellow cards in the same amount of time. He's obviously Um,
0: developed a... a, The only thing that I could possibly think of there is obviously he's developed a reputation for being an aggressive striker now, but... um, Maybe sometimes, well, like you're so eager to impress that you go out and do stupid things, and it's almost a character that people have have enjoyed watching. So he's almost stuck to it, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, possibly. I, I mean, personally, I don't know if you would just suddenly get get this attitude and get this um, problematic behaviour. Mm. You know, if he's if you've just been signed and everything, you you wouldn't just start flying off the rails. You see. Yeah. Um so I mean if if you if we accept, you know, he, he hasn't just developed this attitude um and he's always had it, is that then down to you the the game in the UK and like in the Scottish League, the SPL? Having more coverage than ever, um having you know possibly a better referee, a standard of referee. And also, is that how how do I say this the in, the in the attitudes and the tolerances of of um if so like British society um just say he was acting like that in um, in Helsinki in Colombia was it a less of a problematic behavior you know was it was, was it more of, you know typical of how players reacted over there and are you come to in into Britain is is that more? what I'm trying to say is that not his fault is that if if anything is that the fault of the British society mm. in the in the uk and in the modern game all of a sudden just say yeah this is this is problematic mm. attitude um you know this is uh he's got a fiery character you know this needs to be disciplined this needs to be watched you know we, we can't keep having him like this that's mm. what i mean it's it, I don't believe he's just suddenly. I started acting up in the last four years, um, but all of a sudden it's deemed a problem. Well, if he's always been like that and it's only been deemed a problem in Scotland, you've got to look, is that the is that the UK society, you know, sort of slash attitudes in the country deeming it unacceptable? Like I said, you know, um, players needing to be, you know, well-behaved for, you know, charity visits and, and all things like that. Um, yeah again i i don't think that means you, you don't get the chance to be a big character or, or a hard man again because i mean we we as i said i'll give you the example with we've, we've seen it happen he's not being he's not being allowed to be like that because every time he does he's getting sent off and i mean like 34 yellow cards in four four seasons i mean that's that's, that's an crazy. awful lot that's an awful I mean, lot well,
0: you like, get you
1: get a, a game
0: ban for i think every five yellow cards in the Premier League, mm. I assume he stands in the Scottish League. So it's one ban after five, two after 10, three after 15, etc. Plus all the red cards in that. I mean, he's probably ended up with like mm. a six-game ban at some point.
1: I think is, I think he did. I think just, there was some incident before when he was grabbing someone's genitals or whether yeah. someone grabbed his and he got into fights. I know there's been problems with, with him in, um, and fans over there and everything and trying to... Injury, man. I know there was one one story I read about. Um, he, he he came to his car uh, after training one day from or, or, or from the game, and he got into his car outside the hotel and was about to drive home. Noticed his brakes uh, had been cut and everything. And oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and the, that was bad. And the police obviously getting involved there. Um, I mean, you, you don't just attract that type of behaviour towards yourself if you know you've been well well mannered and a nice nice lad. You don't just suddenly, you know, try and have attempts on your life. But again, Mm. that's the reason I want to see this in the game. But
0: no of course. And I think we've mentioned on previous episodes as well is that there's a player behind sorry, there's a person behind the player. So when Yeah, yeah when a person steps onto a football pitch their character can be 100% 100% opposite for what they're like in real life for all i know alfredo Morelos could be the most nice human being in the world But when he gets mm. onto a football pitch it, he gets in character almost and becomes this yeah you know aggressive aggressive forward so um and you do get again, people like that as well yeah, yeah like uh, linking it back to west front because obviously that's what i know when we had jonas olsen there he was on the pitch absolute like warrior like Will put his mm. head on the line. He's often getting blood coming from his skull and whatever. Um, aggressive, always a nightmare to play against. Off the pitch, so well spoken, unbelievable, nice character. Would do anything for anyone. Um, so yeah, the, it is potentially the case with with Morelos too. Um, mm.
1: Mm. Um, and again, I'm I'm going to link him with another player, uh, Balotelli, as well. Hmm. I think I think someone like Morelos and Balotelli. I reckon they're probably there were more suit to the game gone by. I think. I mean, obviously, yeah. possibly not ability wise, but you know, you can see them their lifestyles and outside of football. I'm I'm not sure about Morales, but particularly Balotelli. You know, mm. he would. He'd would be best mates with um, Maradona. You know, if he was back in in Maradona's day and everything. You know, that's you can see players. <laughs> you know. They would be more suited to the to the older game, and I think yeah. again just because there that they there were these bigger personalities on and off the pitch, mm. um, not particularly suited to this modern game because it gets coached out. But yeah, um, yeah. so you mentioned Harland. Um, I'm going to quickly sort of move on to Haaland, cover him a little bit. Um, he is now a big personality on and off the pitch. But the difference is he's very young. He's relatively just starting in his career, you know, apart, you know, <laughs> comparing to Pepe and Ibrahimović and people like that and Balotelli. Um, he's mad, isn't he? Oh, he's just mad.
0: Yeah, he is. Um, I, I think that that he, he reminds me of two characters. He reminds me a bit of Ibrahimović in terms of his... Yeah. Um arrogance yeah i think that's probably the right word to use um but he also reminds me a little bit of ronaldo cristiano ronaldo that being Mm. in terms of this very winning mentality that he's got about the fact that he he knows he wants to be the best yeah and he will run through a brick wall a brick wall a brick wall to try and get there Um, and i think that's really refreshing like you know we always hear these or see these social media posts of like a, a, caption of Ronaldo saying something inspiring about how he's going to get to where he wants to and all that type of stuff. Um, and he can mm. just see it repeating with Harland, I think. Um, and it's nice yeah. to see like he, he wants something and he's going to, he's going to give it a damn good shot of getting it. Yeah, so of course. Um, The arrogance is nice to see, I think every now and again. Yeah.
1: Um... So with Haaland, you know, alongside his insane physical ability, uh, his hunger for goals, uh, like you said, his extreme determination and intensity. I mean, um, he was averaging a goal a game. I think. Um, I think he probably still is. I mean, you know, we say, talk about his goal drought. I think what has he gone four games without scoring, and that that's a goal drought for. for it Harland. is for
0: him, isn't it? It is for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think what sets him apart as well. I think with the physical ability. I think then, again, because he's a big character. I think that's what makes him stand out. Um, mm. Like for instance, we saw him. He got how he got under the skin of the PSG team. Was it last in the the Champions League last year or last season? Yeah. Um, When he scored, was it in away in Paris? He scored, and then he put on social media. He was saying, "Paris is my city," Um, and he was he's doing his little meditation celebration. (laughs) Then, when we saw uh, Paris beat Dortmund and eventually go through um, in the dressing room, they're all mocking him and everything, and, and people saying, "If anything, it's a little bit embarrassing because you're seeing how." Harland at the time, what, 19? Um he's got under the skin of people like Neymar and Mbappe and everything, still young himself, but the whole team were mocking him. Yeah. How do you bait a whole team out like that? You know what I mean? At, at that age, um, he's just, he, yeah, he's just a huge character. And I think part of that is be down to his personality as well. You know, you've seen him giving his, um, he does his after the, after the game, interviews and things, and he's rolling his eyes at people and giving mm. funny comments and things like that. Um, yeah, and I think that's the reason why he stands out as well. Yeah, um, particularly stands out in a quiet, well-behaved game.
0: Um, yeah, definitely. He's is, certainly yeah. one of the um, the bigger characters in in today's game, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Like we say, it used to be a lot more common, but these days it's. Uh, it's a rarity, which is why I think we enjoy it so much and we miss the old character so much is because it's so minimal mm. and limited to, to football these days.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what do you miss in the in the modern game?
0: Great question. Um, so I've, I've gone off on a slightly different note, um, but I'll, I'll talk to you for a couple of minutes about it anyway. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about is um, prices in football and when I say prices um I want to talk about two aspects of prices within football um and the first one and the main one really is ticket prices so as I alluded to earlier whether we like it or not football is a business um so I've got a couple of of stats that I've researched that I want to share with you um so we all know now that the Premier League um from the sixteen seventeen season, introduced a cap on away tickets so they couldn't be charged more than £30 per game. The EFL didn't um, introduce such a scheme at the time and I don't think they even have to this day. Um, so when West Brom in the Championship last season, um, I was going to various away games and looked at prices of, of various places. Leeds United as big as a club as they are, they're in the championship. They were charging £39 for an adult match day ticket for any away supporter. And I was looking at the rest of the categories of prices. 65 and over was £26. 19 to 22 was £26. 16 to 18 was £20. 11 to 15, £18. 10 and under, £9. To give that some perspective, West Brom, who were... Uh, on a par with Leeds for the majority of last season, and obviously went up with them. Charged twenty pounds for an adult away ticket, which is the same cost as a sixteen to eighteen at Leeds last season, mm. which is extortionate. And prior to COVID, no, like forget COVID. Just prior to COVID, thirty nine pounds for an adult match day ticket at a football stadium isn't acceptable, I don't think. Unless maybe it's a big occasion, like it's a final or whatever. For a a standard league game, I think regardless of opposition a little bit, £39 is a lot of money to pay, and I think Mm. it's far too much money. Um, I did a a bit more further research as well. So Last season in the Championship, seven clubs had their tickets set above the £30 Premier League limit. For away games, which I think is outrageous. Like Premier, the Premier League is dubbed as the best league in the world. Um, rightly or wrongly, you can agree with that. And they've set their their bar at £30 per ticket. And as much as I love the championship and love playing in it, you don't get the players of the Premier League. And ultimately, you go to football matches to watch players and you want to see the best players and whatever. So to charge over Thirty pounds, which is what you would see in the Premier League, to see a less quality standard of player, is something I massively disagree with. I, I'm of the opinion, Robin, and I'm not sure if you think the same, that a matchday ticket, both home and away, I don't think should be more than twenty pound.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty standard. I think that's I think that's, that's, I I think
0: that's reasonable. Um, again, that that should probably fluctuate for you know big games finals yeah. whatever it might be um yeah. but a your standard league game should be a 20 pound ticket in my opinion um uh, and yeah so I, I, as I looked at that I sort of went on to look at um went on to look at season tickets and I found out this stat, which is a little bit on the side but I'm going to share it anyway in the 1920 season which is the last season where supporters were present in stadiums 3 quarters of supporters um, in Premier League stadiums were season ticket holders. That surprised me a little bit. I thought it would be maybe less than that. But then we spoke off air about Liverpool and it's impossible to get a standard ticket at Liverpool because everyone's a season ticket holder. Um, so that's always that's always really difficult. 18% have match day tickets, so your standard match day ticket where you pay one off for the game, and 7% have away tickets. That, that's the average. Um, so I look at... Um, uh, so that sort of looked, you know, forced me to look at season tickets um, and, and tickets as a whole across um, the Premier League for last season or what the prices would have been for this season should supporters go into stadiums or would have gone into stadiums. And the dearest season ticket in the Premier League um, was Arsenal, as suspected, at £2,755. Wow. Now, there's 19 games that you could go to at home in, in a Premier League season. Yeah. So I'm just doing the maths now. So 2755 divided by your 19 Premier League games averages out £145 per game. Now, I should say that is the dearest season ticket that you can purchase. Yeah. But yeah. even so... And Arsenal are renowned for their ticket prices being so extortionately high. But £145 to watch one game of football.
1: Mm.
0: I, as a West Brom season ticket holder, I pay £350 for my season ticket as a whole. Yeah. Whereas Arsenal want to charge me half of that pretty much. Well, no, over half of that actually for one game of football for their dearest
1: ticket you'll get around two arsenal games for 19 west brom games
0: yeah 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 Uh, from the dearest season tickets that's probably based on position in the stadium or whatever um a couple of other worthy mentions tottenham hotspur 1895 chelsea 1250 towards the other end of the scale um fulham is the the cheapest dearest season ticket if that makes sense um Mm. At three hundred and forty pounds, wouldn't
1: have thought, of that. Um, wouldn't have thought of following that.
0: No. no, not at all. Um, Leeds are the next one, which is interesting, based off their extortionate adult prices in the championship for away games. But they <laughs> uh, they seem to reward their home supporters quite well in terms of season ticket prices. Um, and then is West Brom at three five nine. Then obviously you've got the cheapest away tickets. when not look into that because thirty pounds is the cap, so it can be no higher than that. A couple. of clubs charge just under that um so then the only other thing i wanted to look at um well two things actually i wanted to look at is um lowest single ticket so the lowest cost of a a ticket that you can pay at a stadium for a one game interestingly i've got in here who who would you think rob because you don't know the answer to this who would you think has the lowest single cost of a ticket for a game of football in the premier league
1: hmm I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say maybe someone like Burnley,
0: Liverpool. Wow, nine
1: pounds for
0: a single ticket. Well,
1: it's because you can't get home ticket. You can't get in to buy one. Yeah, that's probably that's why. (laughs) Yeah,
0: ninety-five percent of the people in the stadium are season ticket holders, aren't they? But nine pounds. Whereas at the other end of the scale, the most, uh, the lowest single ticket that you can pay for a home game. Uh, sorry the highest rather um, you would pay for a single game um, is so what am I trying to say so the cheapest ticket that you can buy at a football stadium but the most expensive one of the cheapest if that makes sense Okay, is Chelsea with £47 so Chelsea's lowest match day ticket according to this website that I'm on yeah. is £47 wow um, Liverpool at £9, and there's a few other ones in there. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I won't talk about it in, in, in as much depth, is football shirts. Can you remember when we were younger and we always wanted, always wanted our team shirt? Mm. Yep. And again, it would cost 20, 30 quid maybe. Yeah. They're so ridiculously expensive these days. And for tops that are essentially templated aren't they like let's yeah. not let's not beat around the bush Nike and Adidas and all your big kit makers yeah they follow a template don't they yeah the cheapest share that I can find on here is 45 pound wow which is so so expensive I just I mean Chelsea's is the most it? expensive at 60 um You're alongside Tottenham as well I think Tottenham City United they're all at 60 um Absolutely ludicrous. Um, and this is why I say football has become a business and not a mm. sport, because of the finance involved in it. Um, and the only final thing I want to mention on this prices thing um, is cup matches. So from personal experience, um, again, talking from a West Brom standpoint, because that's, that's all I really know, is that cup attendances, in terms of people that go to a game, are atrociously bad in line with where season ticket um, not season ticket in terms of league game sorry I don't understand why and some clubs may do this but some clubs might not West Palm certainly don't is whereby if you've got a season ticket and you want to go to a cup game you need to buy a ticket a separate ticket mm. it doesn't come under your package as part of a season ticket holder which is why attendances are so low in some instances for other clubs I suppose it might work better whereby say for example Liverpool where a high proportion of their supporters who attend on a league game are season ticket holders it gives people that wouldn't go on a normal opportunity to potentially get tickets at a cheaper price and obviously see their team play not that they normally would in, in a league game but for teams like West Brom whereby the attendance drops considerably I don't see why, for the price that is paid, that a cup match against I don't know Burton couldn't be included as part of a season ticket. I don't I don't understand that. And even so, like the, the tickets will only go for like 10, 15 quid. I don't know why a club feels the need to get extra money and extra yeah. revenue from supporters for for cup games. I don't I don't really get that. The only situation in which I would understand it is what I just said about Liverpool, whereby yeah. it would give more supporters the opportunity to go in. Um but yeah that that's my little segment. I just think prices in football have, have gone rapidly high for the supporter. Um and I think as we hopefully come out of COVID, I think that needs to be seriously looked at because people are a lot worse fine, you know, financially people are a lot worse off. And yeah. um everyone, we you know we've all watched football on the TV for the last year. And there's a lot of yep. people, myself included, who want to go back to stadiums and watch their team play. But ultimately, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't able to because of the the current pricing. So, um, I'd, I'd ideally like something to um, to be done
1: about that. But yeah, that's my that's my little segment on prices. Yeah, um, I mean, just a one or two reflections on that. Um, again, we were just talking off air about uh, football shirts and things, and just recently, I was uh, I was after um, a Sunderland shirt to, to buy and, and wear obviously you know if we are playing football or whatever mm. uh, because we've sort of become pseudo fans of Sunderland um, after watching the the Netflix documentary you know Sunderland Till I Die um, we, yeah. you know we, we, we both keep a bit of an eye out for Sunderland now to see you know are they going to get promotion and, and how how they how they get on and the players and things like that mm. I thought it'd be a you know a bit of a a bit of a bit of banter you know to, to buy a Sunderland shirt to, to have one um I, I went on because I, I couldn't find one really anywhere to buy one so I went on the Sunderland shop the Sunderland for the currencies and the home shirts sold out not on the website at all the only ones you can get are the uh away shirts the navy blue shirts yeah still still around 40 pounds well, I think it's ridiculous it was like it's like 40 some, or 49 pounds
0: as big as a club now, they're a League One Club. I yeah. don't know. Who are they sponsored by? Is it Adidas? I think it's Adidas. Well, yeah. I think it's Nike these days, is it?
1: I think it, it might, yeah, up. I think it was Nike, yeah. Yeah, um, they come to Nike now.
0: Yeah, but look, forty pounds for a League One club, and, and we all yeah. know that Sunderland's a working class city yeah. and people come from exactly. you know very humble beginnings and stuff. So yeah, outrageous. Forty quid for a football shirt is is not on. Mm.
1: And and one more thing as well. Um, when the season restarted after what was it was it after the restart or for the for the new season when um, this this model was brought in was it the the pay per view or something or some some of the um...
0: yeah yeah so yeah essentially there was trying to adopt a pay per view type of thing. Yeah. Cause basically, what was happening was. All these games were being played at the same time, and if you wanted to watch your team that wasn't the feature match on Sky, you had to pay a pay per view, which was like I think it was twelve ninety five. But quite rightly, what they've done there is put all the matches at different times, so every match is available to view on on some platform, yeah. whether it be BT or Sky or whatever.
1: And and like you said, you know, at a time where people's finances, you know, aren't aren't too good and everything, I, I don't know what they thought about charging people 13 you know nearly 15 pounds per match Mm. you know when if if anything you want to be making the games free i mean you you want to be going the other way but yeah i don't know it's um yeah i agree with you there the football is it is a business now obviously because there's so much money in it and worldwide um attention as well um but on to more positive Um say, news. it's been
0: quite a negative episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's we just sat complaining. Like just... maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do an episode <laughs> two moving forward in the future the positive things of football that we like. Maybe that's another yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's try we'll and just lighten the spirits. <laughs> just, just say nice things about each other. How about that? <laughs> um, if you're able to. Anyway, uh, news. news. News, news, news. So... Saying in england big news in the championship uh norwich getting promoted once again yeah (laughs) coming back um i think they've done fairly well to keep the players um because everyone thought they were going to get raided as Mm. as as relegated teams do sometimes yeah um yeah but good to see that they're, they're coming back and uh with the players norwich round two Pookie's back, everyone. <laughs> Pookie Watch party's out. back. <laughs> um, I've got a I've got a friend who's a
0: Norwich fan, and I've been talking to him a little bit recently. Mm. And um, Stuart Weber is the director of football there. Has done a phenomenal job. And when they, essentially, when he got to the club, they had quite a lot of big earners who were on mm. a lot of money, but were sort of coming towards the end of the career. Um, and the whole structure of the football club, he wanted to change. He wanted to bring in young players on. You know, low contracts and essentially build them up. So, obviously, that happened. They got rid of the high earners and they've got in these younger players, utilized the academy. Yeah. They went into the championship season where they got promoted, did extraordinarily well with those young players. But I think they spent like one million pounds when they went into the Premier League for their yeah. entire time in the Premier League. That's what they spent, was a million pounds. And, and and I think the term that um, my friend used, if I can find it here, um, Webber said something about going into a gunfight with a stick. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what it was like for Norwich last season. <laughs> which, 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 which is a valid point. I mean, if you're spending £1 million yeah. on your squad when you get promoted, it's, it's, we're in the Premier League especially, you're not going to end up too well. Um, but this season, what they've done really well is they got relegated, they kept... I think pretty much everyone. I can't recall them yeah, selling anyone. Campwell stayed, Wendia stayed, Pookie um, stayed.
1: The, um, was it not, uh, oh, the left-back uh, Lewis. Lewis went, Jamal, Jamal Lewis, Lewis, yeah, but that, that was, was new... it.
0: Jamal Lewis yeah. went to Newcastle, but that was it. They kept the core of the squad together. Well, I mean, they, and, haven't, um,
1: they haven't missed it much, have they? It's not. No,
0: no, you know, not at all. They've done, they've done very well. And, and I think that, that season, last time in the Premier League, I think this, current group of players have gone back to the championship, earned uh, their way back there and they've done really well this season. Um and they'll, and they'll be better off for it because they'll know what it takes to stay in the Premier League now. Um yeah, and it wouldn't um, it wouldn't shock me actually on on reflection if they were to stay up.
1: Yeah I mean it for for a neutral um it will be interesting to see how Norwich proceed with business. Um are they going to invest a lot? Um, part of me hopes they don't because I wanted I want to see how the young players get on because they've hmm. they've had a taste of Premier League life, then got relegated, then they've come back up again. You know, I like Cantwell and things. I want to see how he's progressed. And yeah, yeah. From I what I
0: understand, I think they well. will get around twenty to thirty to spend. Um, yeah,
1: which whether I or, think or not is, they do. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, point that's a value. But, didn't last year. Um,
0: from what I gather, Norwich seemed to. There's, they buy a lot of players, but they buy a lot of players at a small price, and they're almost mm. to sort of try and pick the best ones out of the ones they bought. But and I said to my my friend actually as well that I think they will probably have a similar budget to what Sheffield United have had in the last season or two, but they'll spend yeah. it much more wisely. Like Sheffield United's recruitment, bar probably Sander Berg, who's a good player, has been horrific. Um Whereas. Oh, I
1: when, when I saw Ray and Brewster come in for, what was it, in like 26 yeah, million or it's something silly, like
0: that. Silly, isn't it? I mean, yeah, speaking I of it. Sheffield United, of course, they've, they've had their relegation confirmed there. Yeah. After a 1-0 loss at uh, at Wolves. And, yeah, miserable um,
1: miserable time for them.
0: Terrible season for them. I mean, we could yeah. talk at probably quite length about about the reasons why they've been relegated, but quite frankly, they've just not been good enough. And I, I, know I did predict this... Um, at the start of the season, I did say that I wouldn't be surprised if Sheffield United went down this season. I didn't expect it to be as bad as it had been because mm. they were sensational last season. But their formation of the flying centre backs, if you want to call it that, has, has been sussed out, and um, yeah, the recruitment has been has been you know poor. Mm.
1: Um, had a few injuries as well. A few had,
0: injuries. Yeah, they have had some injuries. I think that is fair to say. Obviously, they lost yeah. Dean Henderson. They brought in Ramsdale, who's a good goalkeeper. But he's yeah. not Henderson. So that was a downgrade in that area. And um, obviously, they spent a lot, all that money on Brewster, which hasn't worked out. But will they be strong in the Championship next season? I, I would imagine that they will be. Probably. Um, yeah. I would anticipate. They've got a good them.
1: Championship team.
0: Yeah, they have. And, <laughs> you know, see. you think of like Brewster scored goals at that level with Swanson. Brewster
1: McBurney as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They've all Billy Sharp will probably stick around, yeah. I would imagine. Who's Sheffield yeah. United's manager now? I've just completely forgot. Walder got sacked.
1: Um, isn't it uh, some Higginbottom or something from Leeds? Oh, oh, I is it? Is, was... it still, is it still a temporary manager, is it? I think he's still temporary, and then they're going to get someone for uh, 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 the championship, possibly.
0: I mean, I don't know why they didn't keep hold of Walder, unless there's something behind the yeah. scenes that we don't know of. Walder would have been the perfect... Yeah, it's Paul Higginbottom, quite right. Um, yeah, same, yeah. I think that they should have kept hold of him, because he, well, for A, for what he's done for the club, but B... You know, to get a club about the championship as you did with them previously. So,
1: yeah, 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 I think either some of us have gone on behind the scenes, or that's mm. very foolish from from the board, to be honest. To see what Chris Wilder did and then sack him, and he's not gone so well. But yeah, yeah, I mean, currently they're on fourteen points, and that's only three more than the worst ever um, in the in the Premier League result. I mean, I, I Darby, thought we were going to be
0: at that point. A, 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 Points to be honest with you, but we seem to have kicked on a bit thankfully, so at least yeah. we'll go down with a little bit of respect to our name. But uh,
1: I mean, uh, jump. Yeah. Uh, I think was it even like in October? People were saying about Fulham, they're like, Yeah, they're gone, they're relegated. Hmm. How looking back on that, how do you say someone's been relegated in October? I
0: oh, know it's uh, to, to be fair, Fulham haven't done badly, they're not a million miles away, but I think the bottom three at the minute will be the three that goes. Um,
1: yeah, 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 um. So another another bit of news. Um, I'm not really gonna call it a transfer saga, but bit of bit of interest from a few clubs for Tammy Abraham again mm. left out from the Chelsea team yesterday that beat Man City. Um, yeah, just a, a a few clubs in for him. I think we've, we've seen today uh from Fabrizio Romano, um the yeah. the trusted uh my trusted yeah. source. Trusted
0: yeah. European journalist.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, linking him to Leicester. Um, I've seen West Ham might be might be going in for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Villa going in for him, but I know the fans want us to. Hmm. Do I want him at Villa? Of course you do. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 50-50 on him. I'm
0: sorry. What I will say about Abraham, and I think, good good striker of course good premier league striker he's he's 6 foot 5 mm. but he's not a defend sorry he's not a, a striker that bullies people is he no he's very no, no. quick but he's not a physical striker at all and when you're 6 foot 5 i don't think he's particularly brilliant in the air he's not particularly no. strong and barging people off the ball i just think that when you're the size that size you have to have At least a little bit of that in your game. And I don't see, he's very much an off the shoulder striker, I think, a little bit. He's almost a bit of a poacher in the box. And I think when you're that size, I think you have to utilize your body a bit more and a bit better. And I think if he did, I think he'd be in the Chelsea team a lot more. Um, Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt he's not the finished article yet, but I think he could certainly do a job for pretty much most teams outside the top six or seven, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, I think Leicester um, would be a great
0: place for him to go. Actually, I think after mm-hmm. when Vardy starts to phase out, um, which will which will unfortunately happen soon, I think that'll be a good replacement for Leicester. West Ham obviously yeah. need a striker as well. That, that seems like a good fit there. Um, you mentioned Villa, but obviously you've got Watkins and uh, hopefully Wesley comes back soon. Um, yeah. So yeah, but Abraham potentially does need a move because he's not obviously getting the minutes under under Tuchel at the minute
1: yeah it's not it's not fitting into his system um yeah we saw birmingham uh moving more towards safety uh Mm. i'm not so bothered about that (laughs) (laughs) whatever
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. no they've they've had lebo coming haven't they and uh things have picked up there not just in results from what i hear but also in the dressing room and just people have responded well to the way in which he wants to work and um yeah, listen, from a local perspective, I know maybe not so much for you being a Villa fan, but I don't have as many problems with them being a West Brom fan, but um, it'll be good for them to to stay in the Championship and and, and maybe kick on. I actually thought they had a good summer um, of recruitment. Um, obviously, it hasn't worked out for them, but um, yeah. Oh, the, the teams like that, and this is why I love the Championship so much. Birmingham could be fighting relegation this year, which they have been. They could mm. be top two next season. Like that's just how oh, the yeah. championship works. That's that it, you know it can be like that. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Hopefully they stay up, which it looks like they will. Big win over them. We we're struggling down there as well, and yeah, um yeah. hopefully we can beat them a couple of times next season.
1: Uh, right. Well, three more news stories, and then we'll uh, have a look at our predictions as well um, for the three games that happened uh a bit of a different story here um involving that 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 thing that exists in the game nowadays racism um <laughs> i was aware of of uh taron ming's um on instagram he puts he posted a message he received um a racist message um saying all, all, all sorts to him you know get out the game and this and that he screenshotted that message um you know saying oh you know not surprised or whatever he then posted that message on his instagram story and then i think within a few hours he got his post got taken down for racism yeah it's, um i mean can you, can you imagine that uh, and, and I think this,
0: you know, what I will say is that it's quite correctly been highlighted that social media platforms, more namely Twitter um, and, and Instagram as well, aren't doing enough to prevent these people from, nah. from from you know, sharing these comments, which quite frankly isn't on. And I know um, we've got it in an episode coming up uh, where it's mentioned again. Um, which was a valid point raised whereby if you create a social media account, um, if you want to comment, you need to so you can everyone can see things but if you want the privilege of commenting on something, you need mm. to or or post in a tweet or a status or whatever basically any, any form sort of, of text, interaction. yeah, any form of interaction you need to provide ID um, and, and essentially some key forms of personal details. So if you were to be stupid, Um, And unfortunately, there's plenty of people at the moment who are being stupid with all these emojis that they're put in or these hateful comments, as racist comments. We can be straightforward and say that. um, That they can be penalised for it. um, But most importantly, educated about it. um, So it doesn't happen again. It's stupid that we're in the year of 2021. And, you know, Britain is known and the UK is known for its inclusion. It welcomes many people. Mm. Of of race, ethnicity, whatever, um, and we still have people out there who are keyboard warriors. Make make no doubts about it. Who want to who want to racially abuse people, and it's uh, it's just not on, not on at all. No, no.
1: Um, so moving away from that topic, uh, which I wish I wish you probably could, but um, heading over to Germany, we've got uh, Hansi Flick now. Leaving Bayern as Yeah. Is that Jobs confirmed there? Is he the definitely year. leaving, is he? Yes. He's asked um, Bayern to terminate his contract. Um and now <laughs> we are just seen today, well and potentially, you know, going for the German job. We've just seen today Bayern have come back. Um they're not happy about it. They are I think unsatisfied because of how he's how Flick has asked to have his contract um, terminated you know before this season ends it's a strange um, one so
0: he's been heavily linked with the german national team job
1: yeah, it, yeah. is
0: has Joachim Lowe still got that job or is it just a vacant no position I think he
1: moment? no no he's um he's still in the job but I think he's I think retiring a month, a month or yeah he said he's going to step down from the german job so then there was... At the time, there's people like Klopp... Well, they, they're uh, just stepping Na- into Nagels the Euros,
0: then... or is he, is he stepping down before the Euros
1: then? No, no, he's... That's yeah, uh, after the Euros. After the Euros, right. Well, okay. after the Euros, so yeah. So right. he's... he's uh, uh, Wackenlow, or however you want to say his name, he's stepping down after the, the Euros coming up. Right, okay. And then there was, so what's there Flick's was a bit of reason? I don't,
0: I don't understand Flick's reason for wanting to leave early then, because if he was taking the job prior to the Euros, I'd understand that. However, if he's... yeah. Yeah, that's a strange one. Um, it doesn't sound it, as if it's been dealt with brilliantly from no, people in the flip camp. F- from um, either,
1: either side, I think, at the, Well, at the yeah, moment, It's um, still, still a bit you'd, raw. I
0: think both parties, If realistically, you keep it on the down low until the end of the season mm. and then announcements are normally made then. So, yeah, it yeah. sounds like there's been the mistake. A good appointment for Germany. He's, he's been a brilliant manager for Bayern. His one trophies there. Um, yeah. And obviously, he'll be working with a lot of them still in the German national team. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, we'll see how that one unfolds. And it will be interesting as well to see if, um, because I know the, the current manager um, almost blacklisted a few players uh, after their poor um, string of results coming out of the last big tournament. People like Muller and Gundogan kicked them out of the team. Be interesting to see if uh Flick brings them back in, particularly people like Muller who he's worked with as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, the big game we've all been waiting for. This is my last last bit of news here. Oh yeah. In the North Macedonian League, okay. Scoopy have beaten Boric away from home one nil. Everyone, let me just well, repeat I mean- Scoopy have beaten Boric away from home 1-0 in the North Macedonian League. What a result.
0: What an absolutely huge result for them. Um, I've been following them closely now for a few years. And, um, yeah, this is when you know I'm talking absolute rubbish. Um, Thanks for that, (laughs) mate. Really appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Big Scoopy following um, (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) Pardon to the North Macedonians. Big up. Let's uh, let's talk about our predictions now. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. let's
0: move on quickly from that. Our predictions now. If I'm right in thinking, Rob, there's only been three or four games from our predictions that have actually been played uh, so far.
1: Well, I think four. There was three. Now four.
0: Yeah, yep. four. There is four. So um, Everton versus Tottenham. Um, Rob, do you want to get the actual scores up, and I'll get our predictions up, and I'll read out our predictions because I'll, I'll forget what the actual score was. Oh, I do um,
1: get the actual scores
0: so Rob you predicted a 1-1 draw between Everton and Tottenham I also predicted a 1-1 draw naturally mm. what was the score? 2-2 <laughs> yeah 2-2 there we go, there you, go. Um, you predicted a high scoring game for Newcastle West Ham 3-3 you were right to oh, think I that uh, I predicted a 2-1 West Ham win and
1: it finished 3-2 Newcastle yeah so nearly, um, nearly got that
0: we both also predicted a low scoring game for Wolves Sheffield United you went for a 0-0 I went for 1-0 Sheffield United. Obviously, it finished 1-0 to Wolves. Um, Arsenal-Fulham. Yeah. Controversial game. You went for a 2-1 Fulham win. Yeah. Um, I went for a 3-0 <laughs> Arsenal win. And uh, it finished
1: 1-1. Yeah. Uh, 70-minute so, uh, equaliser from Nketiah, I believe. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, he's, he's yeah. come to the forefront there, hasn't he? He's had a quiet season. Um, yeah. but what I will say is I think what we should start, Rob... And we haven't discussed this, this is completely out there. Okay. Well, I think we should have um, a point system whereby if we get the prediction right, we get a point. If we don't get it right, obviously we don't get a point. We add up our prediction points, basically who got the most right, and then yeah. you win that game week. So then you cool. say, for example, that you win this game week on predictions. Say if you got three right and I got one, you would win the game week. You would get a point for the game week then. So whoever gets the most points, i.e., whoever gets the most predictions right from a game and week. Yeah
1: wins between wins now, now and the end of the season
0: yeah between now and the end of the season then we can start it again for the Euros maybe
1: okay I like the sound of that we'll uh, we'll have a discussion about that so start
0: this week I think that's fair I know we're coming towards the okay. end of the season so we'll start it this okay. week so we're both on uh, I'll, none <laughs> I'll allow <laughs> is... that
1: con- considering I won last week's one but you know what we'll start this week I'll be We'll very Give me gracious a chance. I'll be gracious
0: Um. yeah yes. we'll have a competition then so we're both on zero um, our predictions are over on Instagram. If you go, wanna, if you want to go and see them at the High Press Pod, uh, they're also on Twitter as well. Um, also at the High Press Pod, uh, if you want to check those out. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's it for this week's episode, Rob. Unless you've got any other, any other business that you'd like us to attend to.
1: I've just seen Bernie go one 0 up within one minute against Man United, and then it's been. VAR. imagine
0: my shock what a great way imagine to end that. the episode
1: <laughs> var
0: ruling out a goal it's come back how ironic is. um but I yeah that's know. it for this week's episode thanks for listening to us hopefully you've enjoyed our first outside the box episode next week we have got uh a guest we're, we're back with the guests next week um we won't reveal names at this point but what i will say is we've got a coach who um was contracted to a premier league club Um, and he's going to be um, sharing his opinions on coaching and various aspects to do with the role that he had. Um, That's really exciting. We're really looking forward to that. We'll do a couple of teasers on social media in the build-up to that next week. Um, But for now, thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Make sure you check us out on socials. As I said previously, at the High Press Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we will both see you next time for more football on the High Press Pod.
1: Take care, guys. See you soon. See you in a bit. Ciao.